So what's your personal opinion on the market here with rates? I'm a I'm a medium term optimist on this. You know, I think that we'll see further rate hikes, but I, I do hope that we're through the worst of it. And I'll, I'll tell you why. We got to fight inflation. It is a bad virus that just gets worse if you don't kill it. Welcome to the Tom Story Show with Steve Karish and Tom Story, where we discuss everything real estate or whatever else is on our minds. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Tom Story Show. This is a real estate podcast where we talk about everything that is happening in the real estate world, specifically here in Canada. We're very excited to announce our guest for today. But just before I do that, I just want to remind everybody, if you're watching us on YouTube, this channel is almost at 1,000 subscribers. That is all Steve wants for Christmas. He keeps telling me he's obsessed with it. I think we're like 920 right now. So if you haven't already hit that red button, please do that and like this video if you're getting an ounce of value. And if you listen on the audio platforms, whether it's Spotify or Apple Music or iTunes or whatever else is out there these days, if you could leave us a five-star review, we would very much appreciate that. Now into the show, we have a guest uh, who a lot of people are excited, I know, Tim, you're very excited to hear what you have to say. Um, we had put up a, a little thing on Instagram saying, hey, if you have questions for Tim, send them in. And we got more questions than we normally get. <laughs> so uh, we're very excited to have you here. So Tim Hudak is joining the show. Tim is currently the CEO of OREA, which is the Ontario Real Estate Association. Tim, thank you for being here. Yeah, Tom, great seeing you again. Really excited to be on the Tom Story Show. And, and Steve, I'll do my best though. But if you got some tough questions for me, I'm worried that your stars are going to go sideways and your subscribers might plummet. So just, just be forewarned. <laughs> no, that's... That, that's what happens when I talk. The sus subscribers go away. When Tom talks, they come. So I'm hoping that uh, that having you on puts us over the thousand subscriber mark because that would be awesome. The pressure. The I pressure. will do my best. Tim, I was going to ask you before we get into all the fun stuff and go over kind of like your career, how you got here, what's happening in the market today and all the, all the things surrounding real estate. Uh, do you remember the first time we met? CP24. You, you okay. and I were both together. So I remember that so vividly. That was probably the second time I'd ever done live news. Oh, and no I met you in the green room and you and me were chatting and it was cool because you were talking about real estate and then I was going in on after, but you got to go first. So I was so nervous, like you watching me in the green room. And then there was someone else there. I don't know if it was the police chief or who it was at the time, but they had someone with them prepping them to go on and do live news. And I was sitting there twiddling my thumbs to be like, should someone be telling me what to do? <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'll tell you, I remember that, uh, Tom, I was very, I was very impressed. You Thank seemed you. very cool and calm. Like I, it shocked me to say that was only your second time on TV because I thought yeah. you're really good. Thank you. Um, I was impressed you didn't have a handler. I said, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> he doesn't need a coach. Look at this. He's just going to strut on out there and show his stuff. Hey, eh? I'm thinking back. I think that was actually Chief Mark Saunders. I think you're absolutely right. was? The police chief that was on the same show as us. Yeah. I remember because it was like you and then him, then me, or maybe that was the order. And you guys stuck around in the green room when I did mine. And I came in, both of you were like, good job. I was like, that was such great validation that I went on there and like put a sentence together. So yeah, I want to bring that up because yeah, that was the first time we met and that was a cool experience. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. I do remember that. Again, you did a great job. Um, I don't know if we want to share with your audience that the Chiefs Honors ended up arresting us both later on that day <laughs> to conclude the story. But <laughs> I leave that part. I usually leave that part out, but yeah. <laughs> Okay, Tim. So 
Um, I want to start um, because there's a big conference coming up. And it, I'd say it's it's the first time you guys have done it in person in a while. I would guess that's that's the fact. I remember seeing you at the last one. What was that? Was that 2019, I guess, the last one in person? It was, it was February 2020, just there before the world exploded, like literally weeks before everything shut down. So before we get into all the uh, the, the burning questions here, on the conference side of things, so it's called Reality Plus. The speaker lineup's insane. Can you kind of tell our viewers what's going on with that conference and everything they need to know? Yeah, so realityconference.ca. This, this is the best stage anywhere in Canada to see what's coming down the pike when it comes to Canadian real estate. If you want to grow your market share in this more challenging market, this is the place you want to be. We've got CEOs from six of the top uh, companies, Royal LePage, uh, Remax, uh, Exit, Sotheby's, EXP, uh, and Corcoran Group, right? They're mm -hmm. pretty big in the state. I know, um, Tom, Steve, you know them. They're coming into Canada. We'll find out why. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, okay. so um, Pamela Liebman, CEO of Corcoran Group, coming into Canada. So you'll hear from her, like, what they see in the market. Glenn Sanford, the CEO of EXP, which is the fastest growing real estate company in North America, also planning to grow in Canada. So why? And how that could affect everybody else uh, here. We're going to have um, Benjamin Tal and David Rosenberg, two top economists, mm -hmm. in what we call the Bears versus Bulls. <laughs> I like it. Heading, right? And we got a couple of realtors uh, on the stage, Desmond Brown, Melanie Pichet, who are going to react to that yeah. and say what they're feeling. Um, we're going to be having, um, from a more celebrity guest, I'll say, President Bill Clinton is going to be on the stage. We almost always have a leading politician. Because advocacy, getting more homes built, is mm. top of our list. And under President Clinton, the U.S. had the highest rate of home ownership of any president before him. Hmm. So I get to interview him. I'm super pumped. Oh, you're interviewing that. him. That's awesome. Hey, uh, and, put in uh, a good word, hey? We, we got to get uh, Mr. Bill Clinton on the show. So put in a good word for us. <laughs> well, it, for sure. Isn't for that part sure. of the, the package? Exactly. If he's speaking at reality, he comes on the top story show right yeah. after. Man, I'm surprised he's not knocking on your door right now when they're behind you saying, I got to get on story show. Come on. The um, And then Lisa LaFlem. So Lisa yeah. LaFlem, as, as folks know, one of Canada's leading journalists, had a, uh, an unfortunate uh, treatment, uh, to say the least, by CTV. She's going on the speaker circuit. And I think that's going to be an interesting story. It will be her debut, by the way, on any stage in Canada at our reality conference. Hmm. What's important here for realtors, I think, uh, is, is how do you connect in today's day and age um, with, with authenticity? How do you tell a story effectively to the viewer watching at home? So she's going to be awesome on that. We just announced David Goggins, probably the world's um, toughest uh, athlete, uh, mm -hmm. former Navy SEAL marathon guy to talk about discipline, strengthen your mind and your body. That's going to help you be more productive in life across the board. Simu Liu, the, the new Canadian superhero from Marvel Comics, Chang Chi. He's going to be on the stage from Toronto. You know, from Kim's Convenience as well. Um, he's going to talk about not only, you know, his life and celebrity life, but his experience in real estate. And also, important for realtors, he's been successful. This is his second career. So talking about transition to second oh. uh, career. Uh, and Christine Quinn, celebrity realtor from Selling Sunset, uh, strong female leadership qualities. Anyway, I'm going on and on, but that's just some, Tom, some of the highlights for realityconference.ca in Toronto, November 22nd, 23. And uh, we'll we'll put uh, info for this in the description of this podcast on the audio side and the YouTube side as well for people to check it out. Um, the planning behind this must be insane, right? Like, is is this been like the main thing that you've been doing for the last little while, or are you kind of just the one approving the speakers? Like, because that even just hearing you like talk about it, I'm getting stressed of like how <laughs> like that's like a lot that went into that, and I'm sure getting Clinton to come speak 
Lisa, all these people that are massive names certainly isn't cheap either. Like these are people you want to get there to make sure the crowd shows up and, and, and gets value out of it. Yeah, it is Oria's 100th uh, anniversary, right? Um, how often does that come along? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're doing it, doing it up on a nice celebration of what Aria has, has done for the members, done for the province, done for aspiring homeowners the last century. So it is a special conference. You mentioned the Niagara Falls in 2020. We had about 1,000 people at that one. We are going to be bigger and better uh, than the one in Niagara Falls in, yep. uh, in 2020. Um, another one I'm excited about, I'll tell you too, is I think, Tom, probably you're the same way talking to your colleagues. Realtors that have been in the market just, you know, in the business the last five, seven years um, haven't really experienced a transitional market like this. No. We're going to do a focus called Been There, Done That. We've got some successful veteran uh, realtors who have been through all the ups and downs, both in the States and in Canada, to say, how do you build your business as an environment? How do you gain market share? Frank Leo is going to be one of those, Diane Usher uh, as well. So there's one more feature. You asked me about the stress level. I'm mostly excited about it. Um, I like the stage. It's easy for me as a CEO. I, I guess I, as George W. Bush, who was at our previous conference, mm-hmm. used to say, he's the decider. They do all the work. Um, but it is a colossal management challenge. There's no doubt about it. You have a lot of speakers. We're moving them quickly. The pace will be fast uh, to keep the audience uh, focused and having that many people come in. And there's also networking opportunities, a couple of bashes that are happening. So it is a heavy lift. But my goodness, how often does 100th birthday come along? And I think a lot of realtors be happy to get together and network once again. 100%. So we've got a lot of like current market-based questions and things that are going on. But just before I get into that, I want to ask you about just like your career so far, because I think a lot of people that maybe maybe outside the real estate world, maybe don't even know currently that you're the CEO of Aria, they hear your name and they think specifically politics, right? So you went through a full career in politics, now moving into this role where I'm sure you're doing a lot of lobbying for Aria as well. It, it all kind of adds up, right? Where when you were, not that you left politics, but when you left the public eye in politics to here, it's like you could have gone to something super private sector, out of the spotlight, but you're like, I'm going to real estate. <laughs> like it's just as much uh, public opinion on it. So can you walk me through just like that decision and what it's been like since you've been with Aria? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I like to say, uh, Thomas see that the 21 years in provincial politics helped get me ready for real estate politics. The big <laughs> taking a few swings. This is the uh, big leagues, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, I got elected at uh, at 27 in, in the Niagara Peninsula. I had always had an interest in politics. I believe it or not, I never thought I would actually been elected when I thought I'd be a policy advisor, that kind of thing. And it's one of these things in life, and I suspect both you gentlemen by your success at a young age uh, were similar. I just said, you know what, the hell, I'll step forward. A volunteer for run. I'll get my ass handed to me because the riding had not voted for my party since before I was born, but I'll make a name for myself. I'll learn from it. And then I'll get hired on as a policy advisor. And then holy smokes, with like uh, about five days left in the campaign, I was like, holy crap, I might actually win this. Just <laughs> <laughs> out of school, I you know, hadn't really made a name for myself yet. And sure enough, in a squeaker, I won by just 1,200 votes in a three-way wow. battle. And I worked hard and um, you know, made sure that I delivered for my constituents a lot of the same tools in real estate that make you a success, Tom. I, I think I did a lot of the same in, in politics. Next election, I won by 6,000, then 10,000. I got elected six times and got to be leader of the Ontario PC party and leader of the official opposition. So that was 21 years of public wow. service. And um, make a long story short, I didn't go into more detail. I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. The chance to fight for what you believe in, you know, give back to your um, community, to, to actually stand on, on your values and principles and, and give it your best. There's only a certain number, 121 at the time, people who 
get a desk and a microphone in the legislature. Huh. So you darn well better use it. And I, and I feel that I, I did. And it was it was a great experience. Um, when I didn't win the provincial election and people, I got close. I needed another 300,000 votes or so. But Kathleen Wynne was, was elected, not me. I said, no, it's time for somebody else to take over and hang up the skates. But I wanted to do something where I, there was still that driving motivation. When your feet hit the floor every day, something that you believe in that you're fighting for, right? If it was, it was business or lobbying or something, it wasn't as a dr- driving for me as an idea. Mm. And I was always a very pro-home ownership, pro-housing you know, politician. That was always part of my plan. I had a very good relationship with the Ontario Real Estate Association. I actually was the minister that brought in the previous legislation, Reba. That was my baby. I was the oh, guy that brought through that. Okay. The I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, I, I don't know. You, you guys are still in elementary school. I think probably that time. <laughs> um, but I, I said, here's a chance every day. Well, before I was working at the province better place, how about helping connect people with that Canadian dream, helping people who are helping folks get the keys to a great place to call home. What a, what a very motivating way to go through life. So when the job came open, I threw my hat in the ring. I got it, and it's been fantastic. Now, when when you initially started with Aria, Aria was still doing licensing, correct? The schooling. That's right. Yeah. Now, so the transition now from the from people hearing Aria and thinking like, "Oh, that's the place I sign up to get my real estate license," to now the day to day of Aria. So, for you as the CEO and everyone else that works with you on the team at Aria, if the licensing is has now moved on elsewhere, I guess like what's when when you wake up being a part of Aria, what's your goal for the real estate community now, taking away the schooling side of things? Every day it is is helping our members help people find a great place to call home. There's, there's, no, there's no ifs, ands, and or buts about that. That is our top priority, helping create that next generation of Canadian homeowners. This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by the Real Estate Video Course. Today's real estate industry has changed and you can no longer rely primarily on door knocking, cold calling, and geo farming. While these strategies still work, video provides something that these traditional methods just don't. And that is leads that reach out to you because of you and the message and content that you are providing. I believe that video is king and that through video, you can leverage your message, create stronger relationships and become the authority on real estate in your marketplace. The real estate video course is a five part course that will teach you the fundamentals of video, including why it's so impactful, the equipment that you need to invest in to get started and the proven tips and strategies used to ensure long term success. So go to videocourselogin.com today to become a true creator, level up your editing and production skills and develop your real estate video plan to leverage your message to current and prospective clients. That's videocourselogin.com. The link is below in the description. And don't forget to use the discount code TOMSHOW at checkout for 10% off any purchase. That's videocourselogin.com and use the checkout code TOMSHOW. That's T-O-M-S-H-O-W. The second part of that is making sure we are there for you. Every deal that you make, you're using ARIA's standard forms. And whatever situation, curveballs thrown at you, there is a form for that. So investing in the skills and the knowledge of our members to make sure that we have the highest professional standards and the best guidance anywhere in North America, that's a big part of that goal too. Now, you're a name that's been in in 
I guess, the public for a long time based on the career paths that you have chosen, right? Now, on a very minute, minuscule level, me and Steve have grown little followings online with our YouTube videos talking about the market and things that are going on. And you get all these people that come up to you and call you and say, hey, thank you so much for doing what you're doing. You're really helping. And then you get this very loud minority that's saying, you guys suck, you're wrong, whatever. <laughs> so on on just like a, a personal question, right? Because I've been okay dealing with it. Like YouTube's not that bad. I'd say Twitter and Reddit's mostly where you get most of the real hardcore yeah. stuff. I guess just like human to human, how have you dealt with being in the public eye for so long? Because there's going to be e- e- even politicians like, I could not have done what what you did because even if you do everything great and do it the right way and truly believe in everything that you're doing, still half the people are going to disagree with you. So but, how, how have you dealt with that, I guess, is my question. Yeah. It, as I said, um, Tom, there, there is a, a significant degree of similarity between the work of a, a realtor and, and those in, in politics. And some are obvious. You got to be a generalist. You got to know what's going on in your community, right? You've got to be a networker. You've got to be a good communicator. You got to like people. Um, you got to make sure you get back to people. That's how you get, you know, you get reelected, you deliver. I noticed when I was in, in politics, I would speak to every, every group under the sun, right? From the Rotary Club to, to, to Kiwanis, to large church groups, to whatever. And what I noticed was that there is nobody quite like Ontario realtors in giving back to the community. Like every, you know, local volunteer group from the women's shelter to the boys and girls club, to figure skating, right? School councils as realtors, they're rolling up their sleeves and actually getting involved in the grassroots. So that's that's number one that, that came to mind. Like the animals are very similar. There's something in that DNA. Um, number two, with respect to the challenge, when when you get profile like you guys have achieved, and you're being very modest, I mean massive profile here here in Canadian real estate, um, you're gonna get your haters. That's better to have than nobody, right? The worst place you want to be mm-hmm. is where nobody gives a crap. You go in to right. do your your broadcast, yeah. you get nothing. So you gotta take positions, you gotta have strong stands. People respect that. And if you're not getting complaints, you know you're not actually working hard and taking chances. So what do you do? You need to learn to separate from you know broadcast Tom to, to real Tom. And people will shoot a broadcast Tom and they'll make their comments like that. But you got to have a thick skin about that. It's not about you personally, right? Mm-hmm. And it actually shows that you're making a difference. There's a huge difference between what you really like and what people's impression could be of you. And if you can separate that out in your own mind, that is a path to success. But if you're getting the complaints and the praises, you're doing something right. Yeah, I guess it's just like you don't necessarily have to give all your attention just to the person that's the loudest in the room, right? <laughs> like, there's, there's a, a buddy of mine, uh, I, you know, when I started out, and I'm sure you guys were the same way in real estate, uh, a veteran I looked up to, and he had an expression, don't let the bastards get you down, mm-hmm. right? Every day. You got to forge ahead. If you're not making the right decisions, not making the tough calls and getting complaints as a result, you're not really accomplishing much at the end of the day. Just keep firing away. I know Steve's got questions. I'm going to let him jump in here because he's got a few yeah. burning ones ready. For no, me. I think you want to go? I, I definitely think that's um, uh, a good way to look at it because, uh, I mean, I, I struggle with it all the time, spe- specifically on YouTube where people like to say negative stuff. Um, but then I just try and swing it around and focus to like the people that I'm helping. And it's like, sure, there's there's probably five to 10 people that say really negative, loud things all the time on my channel. And I'm like, wait, I helped 18 families this year move because they met me on my channel. So like there's there's insignificant impact of people that are just loud and annoying that are just grumpy about everything all the time. And then there's the people you're actually impacting. 
And that's kind of what keeps it in. The cool part, which you don't have in politics, I assume, uh, but you do have on YouTube is hide user from channel because you can just make those people go away. You, you can just make those people go away. Um, I, so I'm in BC. Um, I don't, I, we have BC REA, uh, your equivalent here. Um, and when I was doing my research, uh, this is the first episode I've ever done research on. Um, I noticed that, <laughs> sorry, it is true. Um, I noticed that, uh, Aurea's website, uh, had a bit on there about fair taxation for realtors. And that is something that uh, we were a little bit ahead of you guys with, I guess, in BC, which is our PRECs, right? Our, our, our real estate corporations. Is that yeah. something you were involved in at one point in time? Yeah, <laughs> intimately, intimately. Okay. Um, so when, when I was uh, hired, um, you know, Tom talked earlier about the transition from education. They, they lost that contract um, you know, before I came on board. So it was transitioning really to something different. The high focus on advocacy, um, standard forms and guiding our members during difficult calls, right? To be leaders in North America uh, and investing in leadership training. I'm happy to get back into that. One of the tasks was to modernize the legislation, REBA, uh, and allow, this is on my marching orders when they hired me, to finally get personal real estate corporations in Ontario because we had not had them since, well, we never had them in most of the provinces, I think seven out of 10 did. I'm happy to report back mission accomplished. Um, we now have new legislation, the Trust and Real Estate Services Act. It was passed with support of all parties in the legislature. And uh, as part of that, personal real estate corporations will now finally realtors, like their colleagues in other provinces. But more importantly, it was just wrong that other professions, quite frankly, that don't have the impact on day-to-day -day lives as realtors do, had it. So we went to Queen's Park. I used some of my um, skills I developed uh, there. We had a realtor army and descended the MPPs and we were successful. And now there are over 10,000 of those uh, personal real estate corporations and growing in the province. In fact, if you're watching at home, you wanna learn more about it, that's gonna be part of our calendar as well, the rea realityconference.ca on how you do this and is it gonna be good for you. There's also a bit of, of, of a um, origin story uh, on this if you want me to go into that. But Please, basically, yeah. yeah. Well, about the origin story? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so the guy I mentioned earlier that actually brought Reba in in Ontario in 2002 was Hudak. It was a, a younger, thinner, handsomer version of what you got before you today. But I assure you that fellow was me in 2002. Uh, and I like to joke that my marching orders were to change that legislation. So they hired Hudak to fix Hudak's mistakes from 20 years ago. <laughs> So it was actually, I know this, it was in our bill. It wasn't allowed in our bill. And it was never, Stephen, intention to say realtors don't qualify. There's something wrong with realtors. It was like red tape where it said that somebody could pay a registrant, right? The, the, the fee for conducting the exchange. That's, that's what RICO allows. You can pay a registrant. But over here, another part of the legislation, um, it defined a registrant as an individual, not a business. Oh. So these two pieces of the legislation didn't talk to each other. And as a result of that red tape, Personal real estate corporations were not allowed. So that's what we had to fix. And the lobbying for that was a decade long, was it not? Was it not a long time at the initial phases of it to actually, like, I can remember, Tim, when we got the email from OREA that personal real estate corporations were allowed. It might have been like, I don't know when it was official, like October 2020 or whatever. Like, by the end of November, I was incorporated. I was like, this is the thing I've been waiting for. Like, this makes a huge difference on my life to actually treat my business like a business. It is a huge difference. Yeah, it was about 15 years that Aria had lobbied uh, for that. 
And um, well, we, we supercharged and we were successful. And, you know, not only that, um, we actually got the gold standard. So other professions can do this, right? Accountants, uh, engineers, dentists, what have you. We actually got right next to the doctors in terms of the benefits of the personal real estate corporation. So it's far better than lawyers get, for example. The ability to invest in your own business, to put other businesses under your personal real estate corporation, uh, income splitting with a spouse or family member. It had a lot more um, beneficial aspects for tax planning and running your business than any other profession. Long time coming, but boy, when we got it, it's a very strong tool. Steve, do you know, is, is Ontario's version of a personal real estate corporation different than BC's or are they essentially on the same level? Uh, Tim, I do don't you know. know? The de- <laughs> I don't know the details of yours. Yeah. Like the thing that I know is we're still very restricted in what we can do, right? Like our investments, uh, what we can own within the companies, because if you have any company, you can be like, okay, cool. I, uh, I don't know. This is how I make my money doing this trade or service. And then I can, within that same company, own properties, rent out those properties, do different things, right? I can do all sorts. My business model is not limited. With the PREC, we're very limited with what we can do within the funds in the corporation. So I assume that's probably the same in Ontario. So I, I th- I'm quite sure that ours has a, a broader um, array of tools and much greater flexibility than the promises. It's been a couple of years now. You're right, Tom. I'd have to go back and look at the mm-hmm. details. But I know in Ontario, we're like right next to the doctors when it comes to the benefits, the gold-plated side. And I'm quite sure we're stronger than almost every other province. It took a while to get it, um, but it ended up being a very, very powerful tool. And it's not right for everybody. It depends where you are in the market and your own right. business planning. Mm-hmm. But again, we're going to have an That's expert to on the stage on November 22nd and 23rd to talk about this. And my, my personal take on that is uh, everybody that wants to save the tax by becoming incorporated as a real estate agent, just know that you're going to spend most of that tax on a new accountant. So be careful before you jump, before you jump into it. Uh, it's not all roses. Tim, for the, for the last two years since the pandemic started, um, basically across North America, real estate just went cuckoo. Like, I think we were all going through it thinking like, what's going on here, right? Like, is this, and, and I, I would say a lot of, you know, if you really break down why people make decisions, it would be on like, logic, emotion, or fear, right? And there's a possibility that many buyers in, in last year's or the beginning of this year's market bought on fear of if I don't buy now because there's no supply, maybe I won't be able to buy in the future. And and everyone kind of wants to do something when it's moving upwards, when it moves downwards, they kind of hang on the side here. So I just like your personal opinion on, we've now had six rate hikes since uh, March. Now, I understand that TIFF has a very, very difficult job in that although he was quoted saying, don't worry, rates are going to remain low for a while, he didn't think inflation was going to be where it is today. I guess just what's your personal opinion on the market here with rates? I know none of us can have any prediction on where this is actually going to end up. Is it somewhere in between doom day on the news versus what we're actually talking about on a day-to-day with our clients? Like, What's your opinion on this? I'm a, I'm a medium-term optimist on this. You know, I think that we'll see further rate hikes, but I, I do hope that we're through the worst of it. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, Tom, first of all, we got to fight inflation. I mean, um, your generation has not experienced it. I remember my parents talking about it, but man, the, the colossal bite now coming out of the paycheck of hardworking, ordinary Canadians just to pay for gas for the car, for the groceries, you take your, your wife, girlfriend, or whoever out to dinner. My gosh, right? How much higher it's gone. It eats away at the savings of seniors. Like it is a bad virus that just gets worse if you don't kill it. So they have to increase interest rates to try to get inflation under control again. 
it is tough medicine. And that means we have impacts. We can talk about what's happening in the market today. But I, I do believe that once we get to the cap, it plateaus and then starts coming down. Maybe that's late 23, early 24, um, that we're going to see a significant increase in demand. Number one, I, I think it's sooner rather than later because the most recent increase was only 50 basis points when the market thought it was going to be 75. The market responded favorably to that, thinking that, you know what, maybe Tiff Macklin and the gang have made the tough medicine and the worst is behind us. With respect to where I think demand is going to go, look, you, you've got in millennials the largest generation in the history of our country due to immigration and population growth. Canada's never experienced this type of people, this size of of people coming into the marketplace. Now they're getting promoted, getting married, right? They're settling down. There's there's this fanciful notion by lazy people saying, well, millennials, they don't want to own homes. They just want to flip about from skybox rental to skybox rental. That's crap. We looked into it. They actually want to have homes as much as anybody before them. They just couldn't afford it. So millennials coming in. Number two, you've got a significant increase in immigration. We'll have the largest number of immigrants coming to Canada, the big share coming to the GTHA in 23 and 24. You have a return of foreign students. A lot of them invest in property uh, as well when they're going to school here, and hopefully we'll settle here. And then don't forget, there's the bank of mom and dad. Right? The, the boomers are the wealthiest generation in Canada's history. And good for them. They worked hard. They saved up their money. They deserve it. But that bank of mom and dad will help finance more home purchases You know, once we get interest rates under control. They love their sons and daughters dearly, but they kind of want them to get out of the, out of the basement, right? And they're in a place yeah. of their own. For all those reasons... Plus a limited supply from underbuilding, I am very confident that you see a strong increase in market activity once we hit a plateau in interest rates. Do do you you know the way I look at it is like it's happened so rapidly that we haven't really figured out what the big effect is because they've they, it's like not enough time has passed between the announcements for us to really understand right and it's almost like we've got to have them have an announcement and not do anything and then wait ninety days from then to actually understand like the we've gone through a transition zone of the first three months of this year were as insane as I've ever seen real estate in my decade of doing this. Um, and it didn't feel good either, just to be clear. Like it felt like this needs to, to cool down a bit. Do you have any worry in the fact that this is a moment in time, whether this lasts one year, two years, three years, five years, whether it's a 10 year recession, you, you can play worst case scenario on anything here that developers, or anyone else goes, okay, well, I don't want to build if no one's buying right now or the prices are going up, and that in five years from now, we have even more of a supply issue than we already have. Is that a worry? So let me, let me add something to what you're saying, and it's another point why I, I'm a medium-term optimist. I'm transitioned now. Um, but the, the Ontario economy, particularly the greater Toronto Hamilton area, has been doing quite well relative to other areas, and there's no reason to suspect that's going to change, right? So we won't be as strong. But relative to everybody else, you know, I think we're we're in, in good shape. Um, do I, where do I think that things are going to go on the supply side? I mentioned what's my number one job, and that's helping you guys create more Canadian homeowners. And it is insane that we actually built fewer homes in the 2000s than we did in the 1970s, right? Like, that's nuts. So no wonder we've got a supply crisis. And governments will look at, you know, this type of tax or that tax or this provision they should focus every ounce of their energy on getting more homes built that people can actually afford. And we've had some successes. New legislation just came in, Build More Homes Faster Act. It mm -hmm. took a lot of our ideas. So I, I do feel optimistic about that. Not only is that, you know, larger projects, subdivisions, condos, but also, you know, just upsizing in some neighborhoods home by home into more 
lots, um, more places people can actually buy. I was part of the Housing Affordability Task Force. I was an honor. The Premier Ford put me on that. We laid out a very clear plan to get 1.5 million homes built in 10 years. We need that to catch up on affordability. I think the government made a good move and they're on that step. And I actually feel quite optimistic about it. Yeah, some short term, um, uh, you know, turbulence are going through. But I think we finally got a plan on the table that's going to get homes built. Now, the 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 More Homes Built Faster Act, that's what Ford announced, I think, two weeks ago now. Um, that's obviously great news because that's a way to bring more supply to the market. When we say 1.5 million homes, does that mean that? Because my understanding of this, and, and clarify to me if I'm off on this, is that the main thing as a homeowner I hear from that announcement is I can have three dwelling units on my one property now where I could make a basement, legal basement apartment where I live upstairs and I could build a garden suite. Is a is a basement considered another home built? Is that of the 1.5? Is a garden suite a home or is that like a, a half point? <laughs> like how do we count those? Yeah. If, if they can be owned, they'll count them as homes. Okay. And there's rentals beyond the 1.5, right? Sure. So they want to create both. We need both rentals and homes to be, to be owned, but they'll count that. The, the pure model, what I would love to see I mean, just just picture uh, for those watching home, whether you're in Etobicoke, you're in you know Vaughan, or you're down in St. Catharines or whatever, and you got that wartime bungalow, and it's it's pretty worn out. And today, the homeowner she can knock that down and build a four story monster home for one family, and that's great. That's the right. You know, they've worked yeah. hard, they've got the money, they want to treat their family well. God bless them; they can do that. But if that same homeowner Tom wanted to knock that bungalow down and build a duplex or a triplex or townhomes. Homes that first-time buyers could could actually afford. Holy crow! They go through this regulatory ringer. The yeah. lawyers get involved. The NIMBY forces, you know, descend like vultures. It gets drawn out over a year, and before you know it, it's so expensive. The homeowner just walks away and says, "To hell with it." And who loses out? It's those three or four families in the first place. So we want to see this model that you just talked about um, allowing that to happen. That you could have the duplex, the triplex on that lot as long as you stay within the building footprint, right? That's allowed under zoning. That will be the key to unlocking home ownership for many first-time buyers and also empty nesters. I think a lot of people were really happy hearing that announcement. And it's like, we could solve an issue here. I've got a question for you that me and Steve have kind of gone back and forth with over the years. And we, we talk about like, you know, the, the big thing always, and it's clear, right? When I'm selling a property and there's 10 offers on it, there's obviously a supply demand issue, right? Like it's, it's very clear in the numbers that we're seeing happen. Now, now we look across Canada and go like, okay, even when rates were super low, you know, Edmonton prices didn't go up. So their supply demand is not what it is in, in the GTA or the greater Vancouver area or other areas. Like, do you think Canada has a supply issue? Do you think certain markets in Canada have a supply issue? Hmm, that's good. I'll use an old politics answer. Yes and yes uh, <laughs> on, uh, on that one. Um, Canada has the worst, I'm pretty sure it's the worst number of homes per capita of any of the comparable G7 countries. And we've got so much space and we're actually the worst. And Ontario is among the worst in getting homes built. Another, another measure we saw on the Housing Affordability Task Force is they looked at all the OECD countries, basically the Western developed countries, Japan, Korea, that kind of thing. In terms of the time it takes to get a home built, we were second last, second last of these 42 countries. Slovakia was the worst. Hudak is Slovak now, I got Slovak blood. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to tell my people that they're the worst, but my other people, the Canadians are second worst. So yeah, we're, we're terrible when it comes to getting homes built and supply and Ontario is at the bottom of the pile uh, within Canada. So how does ARIA help speed up that process? Do you guys have the tools 
the policy behind it, the lobbying to make sure that that's something that can be solved? Yeah, it's really three parts, Tom. Number one, you do your homework. You look around, okay, what's the, you diagnose the problem and what's the cure going to be? So Aria has put a number of ideas on the table. I'm happy to get into some of those, but how we get more supply built that is affordable to middle-class Canadians and those that want to join the middle-class. Um, number two, you need to develop lasting and trusting relationships with the decision makers. They get lobbied on everything every day from, you know, healthcare to education, to what's in the LCBO, to can my daughter find a home she can build to parks. So you got to figure out a way to call their attention to it and motivate them to use precious time in the legislature to address that problem. Mission accomplished with this newest legislation. We're going to keep going uh, on that. And, and third, any successful lobby group is going to try to motivate citizens behind them. So we do a lot of things that are focused on, on buyers and sellers, moms and dads, to get them to talk to their politicians, to email them, to do something on social media. So we do public advertising campaigns. I call going to see the MPPs the ground war. You also need an air war that drives your issues in the public mind and in the media to guarantee success. Because I'd say the decision makers, right, if, if they're getting lobbied all day long by all these different groups, it's like, okay, they're, they're hearing everything. And if you have the good relationships, but if that decision maker goes home that night for dinner with their family and their son starts complaining about the fact that they can't afford a property, there's nothing to look at, that that on top of everything else is going to drill it into their head and like, oh, this is a big issue that's not only people are just trying to lobby on because that's their job, but this is actually impacting Canadians. This is going to be an issue long term, right? That's very well put. Um, not only their only son or daughter, but when they're out, you know, getting groceries, hanging out their office or at a community barbecue, if they're hearing about a particular event, and I did this for 21 years, you keep your own sort of internal radar, right? I saw this many people, this many activities, and I was home in my riding, and boy, what was top of the list? You know, a while ago, it would have been um, healthcare for sure. Uh, education today with the talk about a strike, right? Um, it was autism services, but housing has really risen to the top of the list, and we push that. Are you concerned that your, your daughter who played by the rules, she got a degree, she got a good job, but she can't find a home she can afford to save her life? Well, you got to send a message to your MPP. So when it pops up, Tom and Steve, on that radar of the officials, you're far more likely to get action in the legislature. And we've done that. Yeah, when they're seeing it on their day-to-day -day life, right? Not just being told yeah. about it. For sure. And then the human, the human attachment to it. So I'll give you an example of one of our campaigns was very successful. We called it uh, Keep the Dream Alive. And we had a beautiful video that just pulls at your heartstrings. Well, you guys deal with these folks like this every day. It was a young couple. She's expecting. They go into a home and they start visualizing, you know, where the furniture is going to be. They see the, the swing set for the kid that's coming on the way in the backyard, right? And uh, like it's a heartstrings going just talking about it. And then we get the offer on the home and they don't get it. And they, they try again. And so we, we did a very powerful TV and social media campaign on that. And we had tens of thousands of people that were so moved by that, they directly sent a message, either an email or online, um, social media to their MPP. And that actually caused all the political parties to have home ownership policies in their campaign platforms and help move forward the legislation that we're seeing today. Now, we have to ask you this next question, because if we didn't, everyone would say that we're trying to dodge tough things that are happening in our industry on this podcast. So 
This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by the YouTube for Real Estate video course. Are you interested in creating an engaging, value-driven YouTube channel to help educate your client base on real estate in your market, as well as introduce a new revenue stream to your business? Perhaps you've already created a YouTube channel, but are struggling to gain viewership and the subscribers you are looking for. The YouTube for Real Estate course will provide you with proven tips and strategies on how to create and cultivate an engaging YouTube channel, as well as how to optimize your channel, resulting in higher viewership, subscribers, and yes, deals. But that's not it. I implemented YouTube in my business in early 2021, and it has easily been the best marketing source for meeting new clients that I have ever had in my business, period. Better than expensive geo farming, internet marketing, and open houses combined. And now it even rivals my repeat and referral business. If you would like to learn all the tips and tricks, for meeting new clients using YouTube, simply go to video course login or click the link in the description below and sign up for the YouTube for real estate course today and learn a year's worth of my painstaking research of learning how to use YouTube for real estate in just a few hours by taking the YouTube for real estate course. So go to videocourselogin.com right now and use the promo code TOMSHOW at checkout. Again, that's videocourselogin.com or simply use the link below. We have to ask you this next question, because if we didn't, everyone would say that we're trying to dodge tough things that are happening in our industry on this podcast. So, you know, it's everyone's very clear about the fact that CBC did their recent marketplace report, which the last time they did a marketplace report, I didn't agree with much of what they were saying. I think it was really just a hit piece. This one, I think they did a pretty good job of breaking it down. Even when someone was like, no, I won't do this. They still put that in there. So it's coming up recently where mortgage fraud is something that has happened in our industry. Um, is there is that something that OREA can, can do something about? How do we solve this? Because on top of the obvious concern of fraud is illegal, and if you're doing fraud, you should be punished for doing fraud, it also then goes into, okay, well then, if they bought a house they can no longer afford, <laughs> and the market were to change, that's going to be an issue for the market as well. Like there's a lot of worrying factors. Steve, do you want to jump in as well? I, I do want to jump in because I, I want the question to be a little bit more precise being what is your associate, the association that you're in charge of, what is their role in like the discipline of these people or, or what can you do? Because the news is basically going to all of the organizations within real estate and saying, why are you letting this happen? And, I'm not even clear who has the ability to discipline these. I mean, I think it should be the RCMP, but yeah. who who is in charge of this? Because they even went as far as interviewing the owner of the company and the owner of the company said, listen, I can fire these people from my brokerage. I can't take away their real estate license. It's a different thing. So what is your association's role in this whole thing and can they do anything about it? Yeah, it is disgraceful. It is disgusting. These people should be kicked out of real estate and have no chance being anywhere near a real estate deal anytime in the future. Right? Nothing makes a realtor angrier than when they see somebody who has their license ripping off a consumer, a buyer, or a seller. When they see them do that, they get so mad and, and they, they want them gone. And we need to have that. It, it is too easy to get in and it's too hard to kick somebody out. So you need law enforcement working together. They've, they've committed crimes full prosecution of the law, but also then RICO. They're the ones that control, Steve, to your licenses question. Um, a greater ability to suspend, revoke licenses uh, altogether. Don't allow people in the profession. Give them the boot. That's what we want to see. 
So what have we done about it? When I talked about our lobbying efforts earlier on, it has been significantly about getting more homes built, but it's also significantly been about raising the bar when it comes to professional standards. And the legislation in 2002 that I was part of did not have enough tools for the regulator for the modern market. I'll give you an example. Fines were set at 2002 levels, right? So what does the average home cost in 2002? $180,000, $200,000? So the fines were way out of whack. Mm. So we went to the government. We actually got this through Kathleen Wynne and the Liberals, increase the fines to modern levels. They give a greater ability for RICO to take away licenses altogether, to do more proactive investigations, to gather stats and do more analysis to find out where these things are happening and shut them down right away. Our job is to make sure the government did that. They've given these new tools are coming into play to make sure that we, sure RICO does use those tools. And third, we call our members, including some members that are watching the podcast here, you got to report people too. You see this happening, you get a sniff of something going sideways. Yeah. You do have an obligation to those consumers and your profession to report them. So we called upon our members to send us any tips they had so we could funnel those to RICO and get these people out of the profession altogether. What's the relationship like between OREA and RICO? Because OREA, I, I would guess, is one of the biggest uh, like groups, right, in terms of just the world of real estate. And OREA uh, doesn't, or sorry, RICO doesn't just look over OREA. They have all, all of these other people they're talking to as well. But um, I guess, like, can you pick up the phone and call RICO and say, this is my issue? Like, what's that relationship like? Yeah, quite good. Quite good. I, I believe in, in, a, in a strong working relationship with a regula- regulator. Um, you know, they are the police, the judge, whatever you want to say uh, in the system. So they can't tell us all the details of what's happening behind the scenes. But we can work together and getting them more tools to shut things down. And, and we did that. So when we got the government to look at the legislation, um, having been the minister before, I, this is pretty straightforward. If the association and the regulator agree on something, it's highly likely the government's going to do that. So we said, here's, you know, the 20 ideas we have to, you know, go after the bad actors in the system and raise the bar in professionalism. They brought their ideas forward. And the ones that we had in common, I think pretty well every one of those got put into legislation. Hmm. The ones we didn't, we could argue about and the government, you know, makes the call the other way. But we, we did meet with RICO recently uh, on this very issue, Steve, that, that you raised. Uh, they say they're on it. They're saying they're doing everything they can to go after these guys. It does help them, though, if people know the names to give them the RICO because CBC Marketplace refuses to release that information. So you know somebody can be mortgage fraud or other ways of ripping somebody off. You do have to report them so oh. RICO can get them out of the system. So CBC didn't give any names. Now, is nope, there a reasoning behind that? Liability. I I, maybe. Maybe it is. Um I really, I, I really, I really don't know why they, mm. why they wouldn't. You would think that if you have evidence of a crime taking place, right, you would have an obligation to report that crime. Isn't that maybe job security? You just uh, leave your, you're like, hey, we can report on this again as long as we don't say who the heck was doing it. We can get like that is the most silly thing ever that they can come out and say these people are being so bad and then also not report it. That is yeah. absolutely crazy to me. I do have a question that just came up in my head while you were saying this is. Uh, Rico, you guys call it out there? Is that what, you, yep. what it's called? Uh, so that's your real. Okay, so is your council still self-regulated, or is it like we have in BC where it's been completely stripped and now is a government body? Um, it's it's kind of in between. Uh, so it's not like British Columbia, where where I think the government was far too aggressive uh, and uh, made a number of mistakes uh, in in my impression. It's called a delegated administrative authority. So the powers of the ministry exist, 
but they hand them over to RICO to do. For example, licensing, what, what demands should you have for education, for continuing education, uh, the disciplinary system they have. So the province still owns them. So the real estate doesn't self-regulate. They allow RICO, though, to do those duties on its behalf. The government can change that at any time. They can take those powers back. Um, but it's an uh, arm's length body from government that can do this. The board is made up of elected realtors, as well as some who are appointed by the province of Ontario to be consumers. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. And Tom, just so you understand what they did here in, in BC is uh, the last run up we had, like 2016 run up, when everything was apparently terrible, they removed our ability to self-regulate. And then they also removed all of the board of directors who were real estate agents. And they basically had no one that was a real estate agent advising the new government backed council. So now we're regulated mortgage brokers, more uh, financial advisors. Now real estate agents are in that same umbrella. I am um, again, I, I was part of government. It's kind of fun that I've been on, on both, both sides here. I remember when these delegated administrative authorities um, were, were formed in late 1990s. And the view was that government probably wouldn't do a good job if government was doing itself. Government tends to be slower, be a lot of distractions on issues of the day. But secondly, and I think this has been proven to be true, sometimes when you've got the, well, let's just call them civilians for the fun of it, right? Non-real estate people making the decisions, they tend to be softer on the rule breakers than actual realtors mm -hmm. like yourselves would be. I bet you guys would be real hard asses if you're the judges on any kind of bad behavior. But you'd have some ridiculous cases. It, it's, we're getting really in the weeds here, but it's called the Licensing Appeal Tribunal. And it's made up of regular people. And if you want to get somebody's license revoked, you go there. And you can have somebody. There's actually a case of somebody who was doing an open house. And then he was backing out with his truck full of stuff he stole from people's houses. And he went to LAD, if I recall the details, and did not have his license suspended. He had to take some education courses, for goodness sakes, and had to slap on the wrist right. and was back treating it. Like, that is outrageous, right? That guy should be gone forever. One of the changes we said is give RICO that ability so you've got actual realtors there on the panel because they're going to be tougher than these general citizens who have given too often a slap on the wrist. Wow. And that, that is the thing, like it is kind of a general citizen thing here. And that, I mean, it would be like you have some sort of health authority or health board and they don't talk to doctors. Right. Like that's how that's the way British Columbia real estate has has gone. It's just like, nope, this is what we're doing. And it's like, have you talked to the professionals? Nah, don't worry about the professionals. Yeah, I am um, like consumers should be involved. Consumers exchange don't have the consumers. You have to have them there on the table. But you need to have respected, experienced realtors on those disciplinary panels. So they tell you they're going to bring the hammer down more than the average person yeah. would. And we need when you see this outrageous stuff on marketplace, we need a bigger hammer to start knocking these things down. Tim, I've got a suggestion for you, which I know is already on your list of things that you're talking with uh, with the Toronto government about. Um, but you had mentioned earlier that the fines involved from 2002 don't make any sense for what the fine should be today. Well, when land transfer tax was introduced in 2008, the average home price in Toronto was three hundred ish thousand dollars. Now it's one point one million dollars, um, meaning that even and even as a first time home buyer, getting that credit of eighty four seventy five, that's the maximum credit you can get back for what the average property costs, even at the entry level of the market, you're still paying fifteen thousand dollars on top. You're buying a million dollar house, you're paying thirty, forty thousand, two million, sixty thousand. I had seen a number that said just the municipal side, right? Just the Toronto municipal tax. 
in 2021 brought in over $1 billion for the city. And this year it's going to be down, obviously, because sales are going to be down. But land transfer tax makes people not want to move. And when I bring it up to people that are first-time homebuyers, they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, don't shoot the messenger here. I'm just I'm just telling you how it is. This isn't my money. This is going to the government. So I guess just what are your thoughts on uh, land transfer tax? And is 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 it any possibility that could change slightly in the future? It is on uh, top of our list for our asks with the government. And we work with Treb on the one at the city of Toronto uh, to forgive land transfer tax for first-time buyers. Um, we'd love to see it come down even more, but we're targeting particularly helping first-time buyers get in the market. Uh, look, I, I've, I've seen this. Um, you know, Debbie and I had a home in, uh, in North Toronto, Young and Lawrence, and there are probably, I think, seven uh, couples, um, Tom, who had, had young kids like we did, and were looking to move. And we were the only ones of that seven that actually moved and got nailed by that double land transfer tax in Toronto just for trying to move a few blocks over and more space for the girls. The rest of them, they stayed in their home. They renovated to get the space, sure. all because of land transfer tax. And what does that mean? It means that six starter homes went off the market. Nobody could get them for a starter home. You're absolutely right. It's been demonstrated that that punishing land transfer tax prevents people from moving and buying homes. Is the um, worrying part that it's just become such a revenue generator that to then take it away, the city would go like, well, that's one thirteenth of our budget. <laughs> it's That's the downside. The, the political reality is it is the, the heroin of taxes. It is tremendously addictive. The municipality and the province, yeah. the real estate prices go up. There's a lot of activity, right? The, the, the fund just keeps coming. The more of the drug, more money to spend. So they are addicted to it. Uh, number two, um, we did go through a lot of spend, spend, spend during COVID, rightly so. We want to keep people safe. We want to make sure the economy doesn't go underground. Um, and as a result, governments are looking for tax revenue to try to balance the books. So that's what makes it harder to get any kind of tax relief. We're not going to give up. And we do believe if you target it, it's probably the best way to actually get our foot in the door. And we're focusing on relief for first-time homebuyers. We'd like to see it removed altogether for first-time homebuyers, or at least double it so you're catching up to the way real estate prices have changed. Totally. Um, the, the other question I had specifically, and I don't want to go through all the things that you should be lobbying for, but I'm just, I, I have an opportunity to talk to you now. I want to bring things up. Um, yeah, sure. The, the development fees from the city on builders, and I'm not saying builders are these perfect people that, that don't make good money sometimes, right? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the fees that they are having to pay now to build new housing, which is typically in our city, condo buildings because the density of going up is easier to do that to find more space for people and then you're adding in what's coming in next year with the occlusionary zoning which is a good idea on paper you want to help people that can't afford properties but it's just the that it's being passed to the purchaser so everything's becoming more and more expensive um is that something you guys are talking about because i'm sure the developers are complaining about it as well um it's getting so expensive to build how are we ever going to make things quote unquote affordable if we can't even build them because the city is charging so much of the developers. Yeah, you put that very well, Tom. Um, in some municipalities, it costs you, I think it was York Region, one study, $150,000 in fees and, you know, red tape and whatever, nickel and diming you. Just put a spade in the ground. Like before you even start moving soil, 150 k off the top. And, and who pays the price for that? Mm -hmm. Well, it's the buyer trying to get in the market in higher prices. So we have lobbied on this to try to get development charges under control or at least give breaks in certain types of properties. The Housing Affordability Task Force 
did put this in the window as a major cost driver. The new legislation, Building More Homes Faster Act, does talk about this. You mentioned inclusionary zoning. So there will be discounts on development charges for inclusionary zoning units. That's the more affordable units for not-for-profits, community housing, for rentals. Mm. So they went that way. And they're also looking at overall sort of trying to find a way to control them for other properties and forcing municipalities too, because they'll, they'll ding everybody with these development charges, but then they tend to sit in a large surplus fund and not be reinvested in infrastructure. So this bill, this legislation also does compel municipalities to start actually spending that and investing it in roads, transit, parks, et cetera, and it's about time. Yeah, because that's just sitting there where it could be put into communities by making them better, by adding parks or, or you know whatever it is but it's not really being utilized. Um, for the last five minutes here, Tim, I just want to get a sense of like, how do we as, you know, uh, on an education level, me and Steve and a lot of other awesome people are, are trying to build platforms online to say, here's what's actually happening. You know, the news headlines to sell a click or to sell a newspaper, right? It's not, it, that's what its job is to do. And, and from day-to-day conversations with people in my life, and maybe this is just the Canadian way, is no one's typically rude to your face, <laughs> right? Like, they're, I've talked to people and they, they're so happy about the real estate purchase they made and they love working with our team. And then you're getting this other side of it that, again, we talked about at the beginning is the loud side. So the reputation of our industry. What can we do on a simple level of every single person that has a real estate license here in Canada and specifically for you in Ontario? What can we do as a community to better educate people to make sure that the, the, the other people involved here don't look at us in a negative light and, and peg us in between whatever type of other salesman you want to peg us in between? Because maybe me and Steve are just in our own bubble here of talking with people that are really serious about this, but there's obviously some, there's some issues in the industry. Keep, number one, keep doing what you're doing, right? To, to, to have quality broadcasts like this where you take the issues seriously and give thoughtful advice to those watching, whether they're in the business or just interested in it or investing, I think that is critically important. I really like what you said there, Tom, about the clickbait. Like it seems the media in general, they only have two headlines, either skyrocketing or crashing, right? And nothing in between. So responsible, thoughtful advice like what you're doing that's focused on the consumer, I think is excellent. Number two, I'd encourage you to get involved in leadership in real estate, whether that's with the Ontario board, your local board, whether it's being on RICO, for example. I think those types of roles from leading realtors like yourself and younger generation as well can make a large difference for the profession. As part of that, too, you help to lobby, whether it's the City of Toronto for break on land transfer tax or the province to raise the bar on professional standards. Like, I think you're in the same boat that, that we are at ARIA and our President Stacey Evoy and our President-elect Tanya Artenosi, right? We want to make sure that realtor at your side, when you're making the biggest financial decision of your life, and one that is so important to your family, and where you can be yourself, that you've got the, the, the most informed, the highest professional standard realtor there with you. And if they don't give that advice, they play fast with the rules, well, then they get the boot and the non-professional altogether, right? That's a real driver. I know it would motivate you, and that's what real estate leadership can help do. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it because I think it's like we can think of these overcomplicated ideas, how to fix everything right away, but it's on each individual person that has a real estate license to do things the right way, do things the ethical way, and in their best of abilities, just help people do what they're trying to do because we are not home inspectors, we are not economists, we are not accountants. If someone wants to help buy or sell a home, I'll help them do that and I'll have an opinion, but at the end of the day, it's the consumer's choice. 
right? Like it's it's this fine line between, oh, you shouldn't do that. I don't think you should do that. And well, it's not actually my decision, but I'm trying to help you the best I possibly can. So it's it's a delicate way to go about helping the consumer. Um, don't really sure. know if that was a question, but just kind of what yeah. came to mind. Well, it's a theme I'm picking up here. So let me say something, reinforce it to, to yourselves as leaders and to your followers and fans. Like you should be very proud of what you do. There's, there's carrying the world on, on your back like you did during COVID when the market went sideways. Being there for people when they're trying to make a sensible decision in, in a hot market uh, or today where it goes in the opposite direction, right? Like what you do to help hold people steady and confident and informed in such an important decision in their lives is incredible. You should take pride in that. And I know what people will shoot at you and all that kind of stuff. We talked about that. I've had my experience. I was in politics. Before that, I was actually a customs officer. So I, you know, oh went God. down this even yeah, a few steps more. <laughs> you're just progressing. Months. You're just progressing down the list of uh, like industries that people hate most. You're like, <laughs> I'm going to start at customs, then I'm going to go to politician. Real estate is next. Yeah, no, but I was saying that I, you don't, you shouldn't think of it that way because I, I I've seen all kinds of professions in, in action, right? Yeah. There's a lot of respect for what you do. People depend on it. They love talking to you about it. There's no more interesting topic in Canada today than the state of the real estate market. And you give back, right? You're very generous with your time and your finances. And you give a shit. You're involved yeah. in your community. You're not going home, locking yourself up behind closed doors. You're there on the street helping people out. There's a lot to be proud of in that. Good for you, right? <laughs> and there is a lot of respect from people for what you do to give back to the community and to them personally. Um, Steve, just before we wrap things up here with Tim and Tim, thank you so much for being here. This has been an awesome conversation and, uh, we'd love to convince you to come back in the new year at some point as well. Um, when there's, when there's more, to, well, there's always gonna be something to talk about. With real I can tell you the customer stories and we'll go back and uh, really those days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steve, do you have any last questions for Tim before we wrap up? No, I think I just want to let you plug the event again, because I'm glad that you're going to ask Bill Clinton and David Goggins to come on our podcast. I appreciate that. There you go. Those your top two. <laughs> those are the top two that we're going right. for so if you can get us in there let us know i'll do that for sure uh yeah don't thank you very much thanks for the work that you do the leadership positions you play here in ontario british columbia across canada and giving solid advice to investors home buyers and those in the real estate profession and um great questions too it was a really enjoyable time and race by i hope i see both you gentlemen and a lot of those watching at home at a reality conference again november 22nd 23rd in toronto Beanville set beans, Beanfield Center. Yeah, I will be the there. Stage anywhere in Canada to get a preview of where things are going, and to make sure that you can grow your market share uh, in a pretty challenging environment. Leading experts. We're gonna have a trade show as well with forty plus uh, different uh, new technologies. We have this really cool Dragon's Den thing. We're gonna put three or four of those on the stage and have some veteran experienced realtors say, "I would buy that." Or that thing is a joke. That should be very entertaining. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna well. go check that one out. Yeah, that's yeah. We got a lot of fun stuff. Plus, a great opportunity to network with colleagues from across Canada. Hope to see you there on the 22nd, 23rd RealityConference.ca. Amazing. And links for everything that you just said are down below in the description of this podcast. Perfect. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. If you've been watching along or listening, we want to thank you for spending your time listening. And uh, I can almost guarantee from just me listening to Tim's answers that you probably found some value in this podcast. Hope everyone has a great week and we'll see you next Sunday with a new episode. Bye. Thanks, Tim.